How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to episode 60 of your favorite swim bay podcast, Scales and Tails. Today we're joined by a gentleman who uh, who a lot of guys have have asked me to get on. Um, Mr. Stephen Clipper has been very vocal about me uh, getting this gentleman on, and I'm very very glad that uh, that I finally have gotten Mr. Cartpugger for you guys you guys who uh, who know know him by that name, but Mr. Gail Ratcliffe, the guy behind Burrito Bates. I'm very excited to uh, to talk to him tonight, and on this episode, we'll kind of pick his brain about Burrito Bates and how that all came around, and then maybe in the future, we'll, we'll have him on to uh, to really take a deep dive into the whole fishing side of stuff, but Gail, I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we'll uh, we'll get the questions rolling tonight. How's it going? It's it's going, man. It's going Sunday, good. and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we've got a quick weekend out of us, quick week out of us for work, so. Yeah, what do you do, exactly? So I'm an apartment maintenance guy. So it gets, oh, okay. So it's like, it's some, like some days super nice, but then like, you know, I can get back from lunch and we could have an apartment leaking on the third floor, leaking into the other two stories. So like, it's always like hit or miss on, on how my days are going to be pretty much. Yeah. That's cool. Keeps it exciting though. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Never know what to expect. And a lot of days it's a lot of nothing, but sometimes <laughs> you always have, you got to slide down your fire pole and, and go save, go save some stuff, which is pretty nice. Good yeah. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, how, so, I mean, you are like widely immersed in fishing for anybody who has never seen you comment. I mean, not even on Swimbait Universe, it's like on your personal page and on Instagram, like you, you make these posts and you have very in-depth, uh, uh, like just discussions on, on what you're doing to catch fish or why you're fishing one of your baits to catch a certain fish, like around the, around the season and stuff. But before we get into that, really, how, how did you get, how did you get like that? How did you, how did you start your fishing journey? Uh, like when I was a kid, way yeah, back. Yeah. 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 Well, um, my dad is, I wouldn't call him a fisherman, but he kind of got me started, I guess. Um, his idea of fishing is throwing a worm out in the middle of nowhere and waiting for a fish to happen upon it. You know, he's not, <laughs> he's not like an active like participant in the 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 fishing that he does i guess but that's kind of where i started you know fishing for bluegills and catfish or whatever uh with my dad um but i didn't really get into bass fishing until i was probably a teenager um there was a pond down the street from my house called birchwood park pond in morton illinois small town and you know we were kind of uh we didn't, we were kind of poor. We didn't, we didn't do, we didn't go on vacation. My dad worked all the time. So there really wasn't anything to do, you know? I, so I just spent a whole bunch of time at that little pond. And, uh, when I was like a teenager, uh, my grandma bought a strip pit in Southern Illinois. So I'm from Illinois. Okay, uh, cool. and so she bought, I, I live in Indiana now, but I, I started out in Illinois. So she bought a strip pit and we would go there and there was a guy that he previously owned the strip pit, sold it to my grandma, and then somehow he still fished there. So I, <laughs> I don't know. He got a pretty good deal on that, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, he he basically introduced me to bass fishing, how to rig up a plastic worm and all that, because I didn't really know anything about it until he came along. So that's kind of where I got my bass fishing started, you know. And then I I, I kind of applied what he taught me to that pond up the street and then I was making my own lures and all this other stuff, you know, and I, that's kind of where I got started, you know, just, uh, so I, I've always kind of been a multi-species angler because that's, you know, that's just what I've always done. And I've always made baits. I've, I started doing that really early too. Cause I didn't, I didn't, you know, I couldn't just go buy baits and stuff. I yeah. Money. So I, I was always making stuff to try to catch the fish to, at the pond down the street, you know? So 
that's pretty much that's where I got started, really. <laughs> and when you when you started making baits, like, do you remember um, maybe going with your parents to the grocery store and you know walking through a fishing section? You're like, oh my gosh, like that looks really cool. And then going home and and putting your own twist on it and making something like that, or was it just completely you know building blind? I guess like just building whatever whatever you think a fish would eat. I mean, I was familiar. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had TV. We weren't that poor. You know? yeah. So, I mean, I saw Babe Winkleman and, okay, you know, yeah. Bill Dance and <clears throat> whoever else on TV. So, you know, I, I was familiar. And, you know, I'd go to Kmart or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I knew what lures were out there. So, I would just make, you know, um, just my version of what I could, you know. I, you know, I, I had some lures here and there. Or I'd find some things on the, you know, when I was out fishing. I'd, I'd yeah. use other people, lures that I found. Uh, but a big, a pivotal moment in my life was when my parents got uh vinyl siding that was a big deal which sounds really stupid but we had aluminum siding you know and then in the 80s it's like hey vinyl siding came out so they got they had we had all this aluminum siding so i was like ah there's that you know so i started making like spinnerbait blades with the leftover aluminum siding lips for lips for crankbaits and that was like that was a big deal for me you know so uh that was you know just different materials that i could get my hands on that was that was like a pivotal moment in my lure designing you know is when we got that vinyl siding i had all this extra material i could work with and just you know anytime i could find something i would always cut up the the rakes that my that my parents had and you use that to make lures and my dad's like six six you know and he's out in the front yard raking the yard with like a four foot handle on the rake you know so you know whatever i could get my hands on i was trying to build stuff with you know and uh uh, what what really got me interested in big and not interested in big baits, but what really kind of gave me the courage to throw big baits, you know, because a lot of people are intimidated by them. But when I was young, man, I made this um, this buzzbait blade out of that aluminum siding. It was the size of a softball, you know. I mean, it was enormous. I was just being dumb, you know, as a kid, like, oh, I'm just gonna make this thing big and stupid. And I remember riding my bike up to that pond, and I, literally my my rod was like doubled over because it was like a kite flying it oh, down there. You know, it was so big and stupid. I thought, there's no way anything's going to hit this, you know? So yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> like it casted like 10 feet because it caught so much wind, you know? Boom! I mean, something, the biggest blow up ever just hit hit that freaking, you know, big giant buzzbait blade. And I was like, ah, bass will hit it. I didn't hook it. But I was like, oh, man, they'll hit anything. So, you know, I had a lot of cool experiences like that when I was a kid with like building lures and just it really just really kind of got me really inter- interested in bass fishing you know um as a kid you know right dude that is that's crazy like <clears throat> when you i mean did you catch a lot of fish on the stuff you were building i assume yeah not, you know not really like 99 well, really? not <laughs> when i was a kid it was like 99% power berkeley power worms you know i mean that's yeah. <laughs> that was the thing that i was really good with you know like i could catch them on that all the time right I, even to this day, mo- both of my PBs were on worms. You know, like I got one in Florida that was uh, nine fourteen. I caught that on a ten inch culprit, and then I caught one here. It was eight four in Indiana on a, sh- a three inch shaky head. You know, what I mean, because I, yeah. I can I can fish. Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high end, made in the USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing at depths 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. 
a worm pretty well. So like that's always been something that I was good at when I was a kid, and I can st- I can still get them to eat that, you know. But uh, yeah, dang man. So when uh, you got into fishing and you're building these lures and stuff, when did uh, I assume like when when you graduated and stuff? When did you like? Did did fishing ever stop for you? Like, if you went to college and stuff, or were you yeah in fishing? When I was in college, it, it did. I mean, um, I went to art school, you know, because the thing is, I, I, I when I ran out of high school, neither one of my parents graduated high school, and they weren't really into like college and things. They weren't like, yeah. uh, you know, they were more like, go oh, get a job, you know. But I was like, I, what's funny is I was working in a machine shop, third shift, right out of high school, you know, and maybe th- three or four years out of high school. And my supervisor was this this massively huge, like really gruff dude, you know. And he comes up to me one night and he's like, "What are you doing here?" I was like, uh, "I'm I work here." I you know I didn't know how to respond. He's yeah, like, "No, yeah. man, you should be in school. You're like way too smart to be here. You should be in school. You don't want to you don't want to be doing this your whole life." I was like, "Really?" Literally, the the that's the first time anybody told me I was smart and that I should go to school ever. So I was like, okay. So the literally the next day I went and signed up for classes at the community college because that guy said that to me, you know, and that changed my life. Just that one guy said that one thing to me. And then I went and signed up for, so, you know, then I spent a good five or six years just focused on college, you know, so I didn't really fish as much there. I mean, I'd still go out every once in a while uh, here and there uh, on campus. There were a couple of ponds and lakes and things close by, but I really, you know, I didn't do a lot there. I was just kind of like, I didn't know what to study. So I'm like, I'm going to study art because I didn't know anything, you know? So right, yeah. not that, not that there's not that you can't do something great with that, but you know, I, I just, I didn't know what to do with it. I just didn't, that's what I was interested in. I was interested in making things. I was, I was good at drawing. And so I went to art school, you know, but Damn, uh, so, yeah. Damn. So yeah. What were you saying? Sorry. <laughs> oh no, no. So, so that's, you know, during that time I, I really didn't fish that much, but um, once once I met my wife there and she, when we, when I graduated, she had actually already graduated, but she was just kind of taking a class that she was interested in. I met her there. So, uh, we, she got a job in Indianapolis in 2004, I think. And that's when I, that's when we moved here. Uh, and that's kind of when my fishing started up again, because, you know, I just followed her over here. I didn't really have a job or anything when I first moved here. So, Okay, well, I got time to fish, so that's what I'm gonna do. You know, so I started up again. Yeah. So, at what point in time did you get into what? Like, what was your first experience with a big swim bait? I can't imagine you probably ran into somebody on the bank fishing a big swim bait around Indianapolis, unless you did. No, <laughs> no, I didn't. No, 2004 is actually when I when I first moved to Indiana. So, what happened is I moved to Indianapolis. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get back into fishing. You know, I was kind of starting to slowly get back into it as I was getting towards the end of college there, moved to Indiana. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get into fishing again. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I bought a cheap boat, you know, I was like, okay. Um, uh, because when I tried to fish around Indiana, I realized it's way different than central Illinois that I was used to. Like central Illinois has tons and tons of water ponds and, you know, state parks and different things. And most of it is accessible on foot, you know, so I, cause like I didn't have a boat growing up. My, my parents weren't really into fishing and I didn't really know anybody that was really. So, I mean, but I could go to Spring Lake. I could go to, you know, Powerton. I could go to Anderson Lake, Evergreen Lake. There's all these places in central Illinois that you could access like most of it on foot. 
But when I moved to Indiana, I was like, that's not how it is here. You know, it's like everything, all the reservoirs and things, all the land around it is private. You know, you're walking in somebody's yard if you try to fish there, you know. So I was like, I need to get a boat, you know. So so I got a boat, tried to go out, realized that, you know, it's an hour wait and $30 to put in every single time. And I didn't really have a job when I first moved here. So I was like, I can't afford to do this, you know. Yeah. So, so that's. So I started fishing. I've tried to find some places where I could fish on shore, but what I realized is there's tons and tons of anglers and the few places that uh, you can access from shore, they get hit really hard, you know. And so my when I first started, I was like throwing heavy jigs. I was throwing heavy Carolina rigs. And my whole point was I'm, I'm going to fish stuff that other people aren't fishing, you know. So, so I'm, you know, where everybody else, I see them walking down the bank, they're casting 20, 30 yards out there. I, I'm going to hit 50, 60, 70 yards with my mm-hmm. Carolina rigs and my heavy jigs, you know? And so that's where I started. I moved into, moved here 2004, started out hitting some of the, uh, the water that I could, uh, on foot because I couldn't afford to put the boat that I just bought in. <laughs> and so I'm like dragging these jigs way out there. I was catching good fish, you know, but the problem is, is you get hung up here, certain places you can't fish. You know, I was like, man, I really need something that I can fish up off the bottom more. I need something that I can fish higher in the water column. And that's when I started throwing swim baits because I, in my mind, you know, I think it was Bass Tackle Depot. That was a, a, a website that had, you know, swim baits and stuff back in the day. I went on there and I was like, you know, these things are like two, three ounces. I bet I can throw those really far. That, that was the whole reason I started throwing swim baits. I already, I already wasn't concerned about getting bit on it because mm-hmm. when I was younger, you know, I'd caught them on musky lures and things. I'd caught them on that big stupid buzz bait I made, I, I knew that they would eat it if I could just get it in front of them, you know? So that's, that's how my swim bait fishing started. I, I wanted something that I, I could cast for. That was it. So, uh, 2004, I pick up my first swim bait and it was a, uh, a mega bait Charlie, which I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. It, it, it they, they, I don't know if they make them anymore, but, uh, you know, I got I started with that, realized that it didn't quite do what I needed it to do. You know, it was diving, you know, it, it only fished in a certain range because it had a lip on it. You know, I was like, well, I need to fish it higher. I need to fish it deeper or whatever. And so, you know, I, and that's just where it started. And then I started trying different baits all along the way. But, uh, yeah, that that's kind of what got me started was that. You know, I need something I can, I can, I can cast further. I can access yeah. stuff that other people aren't accessing because this, this 20, 30 yards from shore, you know, like you go to one of these ponds here in Indianapolis, it'll be like six acres and there'll be like 10 people there fishing that small thing on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, if I'm not hitting the Creek channel out in the middle of it, cause nobody is, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the Creek channel out in the middle of this pond because nobody else is hitting it, you know? So that was my goal was to find things that I could fish in different ways than other people. Dang, dude, that's crazy. I would not expect that fishing pressure there because, I mean, well, especially, I guess I was only three years old back then, but, like, I just feel like fishing has became more popular since then. Like, I, could, I couldn't imagine it, like, today, like, what it would be like today or, like, just after COVID when, when a bunch of people got picked up fishing, it seemed like it, would ha- it had to be crazy, I imagine. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, but the thing is, is it's, the biggest part of it is there's a lot of, we get a, like the reservoir, I live on a reservoir now called Morris Reservoir, and it just gets so much boat traffic and everything. It's not only just the fishermen, it's just that nobody, there's nothing to do in Indiana. You know, there's nothing to do here. So it's like, you get so many wake boats and pontoon boats and everything out that that disrupt the fishing all the time, you know. So it's just, there's a bunch of different things, but it's just, it's kind of a, 
it's 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 definitely different than what I was experiencing in Illinois. You know, so I was like, wow, you just, you just got to, that's the thing about fishing, you know, you just got to figure out what works for you and your, your area, you know, uh, everywhere's yeah. different across the country. Everywhere's different. Like it's, it's crazy. All the, the, the different places that people, uh, fish and the, the experiences they have, they just don't line up with what I see and what other people experience is different. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, so you, around 2004, you pick up that, what was it? The mega... It's a megabait Charlie. That I, I googled it. I was looking at it. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like a. a, a it's kind of an interesting bait. It's got like a hard uh, crankbait kind of middle yeah. to it, and then it's got like these. Uh, it's it's covered in soft like plastisol and has like mm-hmm. ribs, so it can swim. And I still got that bait. Actually, I'd, I've never caught a fish on it. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah, I just kind of gave up on it pretty early. I was like, ah, I'll get back to that one one of these days when I find the right the right place to use it but i just i haven't done it yet so so after after you bought that one where where did you kind of end up i mean you just said you'd never caught a fish on it so what made you think like oh i should just buy another one and and you know just see if they'd like this one more well you know <clears throat> i i didn't give up on it because i could cast it like i wanted to i just yeah. didn't fish it in the in the in the water column where i wanted to it just wasn't it just wasn't working you know because it was getting fouled up stuff too much mm-hmm. and so so then I moved to, I think the next bait I bought was the Osprey. The, the, like the inline talon it has yeah, the line yep. at the bottom. And that one, I was like, okay. Cause that one, you know, I could throw it out there. If I start my retrieve quickly, I can keep it up. I can put nail weights in it or something to keep, get it down a little bit. And I felt like I had more control with that bait. So that one I had started having some success with right away, you know, because, but again, it was like, uh, you know, I couldn't fish it too close to the grass. I couldn't fish it near wood. There was a lot of things I couldn't do with it. I couldn't fish it on the bottom without it getting hung up or this or that. So there, you know, it did, it, it wasn't perfect, but I, but at least I could, I, there were places where I could be successful with it, you know? Yeah. In the back of your head, were you kind of re-keeping a mental note on what these baits did efficiently and, and what they couldn't do? Like, did you have any aspiration to like, oh, I made lures, you know, um, a couple of years ago. Why can't I make some now to to put all of this stuff that I like all in one bait to, to fish here. I mean, that's where it ended up. That isn't, you know, er, in 2000 earlier, I didn't really think that way. I was just kind of going through what was available. Cause you know, I just didn't, I didn't at the time I was living in an apartment and yeah. I just didn't have any, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the tools and things to go working on baits and stuff. So I, so I just kind of you know, bought what was available and tried different things. And, um, but all along, you know, I'm like, I like this. I like this. I mean, the original burrito shad, that's kind of how it evolved. You know, it was like, I like this. I like that. I want a, a shad profile. I want this. And so I kind of picked to choose the things that I like from other baits. Yeah. And then I kind of, because there wasn't really anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's, so that's how that evolved. You know, it came, it came to be, it was once I got to the point where, okay, I'm, I can fish this bait here. I can mm-hmm. fish that bait there. But this, 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 and is off off limits because I can't I can't put a bait there without it getting fouled up. I can't put a bait there without it getting hung up. I can't. This one fishes too deep. This one's whatever. Blah blah blah. And so once I kind of there was all this places I couldn't fish. So I'm like, I need a bait that I can, you know, fish in between all those places. You know, that's basically what it was. Um, so I just kind of just developed. <clears throat> Sorry, I had a cold. My throat's still a little weird, but I had a, I just developed a bait that could do all the things that I needed it to do for the most part. You know, there's a lot of things that I needed to do, but 
Um, yeah. So after that Osprey, <clears throat> was there another bait that you had gotten, or how much longer after that until you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess around and think about doing my own thing? Oh yeah, the um, the HUD came out, you know, and uh, and I grabbed a bunch of HUDs, you know, I bought some of those and um and I liked aspects of that bait, you know, except for the problem is I was fishing from shore a lot. And where the, you know, like the line tie coming off the top of the head. Yeah. You're, when you're like, when you're on shore and you've got like a pretty, you know, a pretty gradual angle going out to your bait, you know, it's not like I'm in 20 foot of water and it's my line's dropping straight down. It's, you got a pretty gradual angle, you know, most of the time I'm fishing in less than eight or 10 foot of water. When that bait hits stuff, you know, it'll wedge in the rocks, it'll, it'll hit a piece of wood and get hung up and stuff. So so that one, I was like, oh, I like the way this bait sits up. I like the hook on top. I like this and that, you know, but but it's not really doing what I need it to in that way. So that was one I used. Um, and those are the two main ones. It was like the Osprey because I really like the line through part. I really like the way the HUD was set up. I just wanted something like if I could have a line through that was set up like the HUD with the hook on top, but it was a shad profile because we don't have trout here, you know, so everything was shad. <laughs> And so, yeah, those are those are the two main ones probably that really kind of, uh, kind of helped shape the 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 original burrito shad. Now, I actually did have the original original burrito shad was a <laughs> paddle tail. Like I had a paddle tail bait before the one that's that's, uh, and I never released that one. But uh, you know, I was fishing that one for a while, and then and then I kind of got to the 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 line through burrito shad that that was the first one I started selling. And so I actually I. This, this story it's like so you know there's so much to it it's like huh where do i okay well yeah. i forgot about that part yeah. so originally i was actually making hard baits you know i started by carving hand hand carving hard baits mm -hmm. um and so i was doing a lot of that in like 2007 2008 or something you know i think i was making some hard baits then and then um i worked at a library that was a job that i got and I was teaching technology to kids. So it was kind of like a makerspace sort of that we put in the library. Yeah. And so I was teaching kids how to do Photoshop. I, you know, I was teaching kids how to do, um, like I had one kid that was really into Unity, which is like video game stuff. And so I was showing him how to, you know, I was learning how to do JavaScript. And then I was learning how to 3D model stuff mm. so that we could put things into his video games, you know. So I was kind of really into that technology aspect. And I was like, I was thinking, you know, oh man, what if I, I really want to, you know, design some of this stuff on a computer and I can make a lure out of that, you know, cause I was already carving hard baits. So I thought right, maybe I'll do some stuff on the computer and see if I can't, uh, design a bait like that, you know? So that's where the, the CAD part of mine, uh, I was using an open software, open source software called blender, which is actually for like gaming and animation. It's really not for engineering, but that's what <laughs> I, that's what I still use to this day. I still use blender. Um, and so I was designing some baits, you know, while I was in there with the kids, I was like, yeah. Hey, yeah, teaching them how to use blender because some of them were interested in it. And meantime, I'm using it to also kind of work on some different bait designs for myself, you know, Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So then once I, once I kind of got through that, I was like, well, how do I, um, how do I turn this into something? You know, the 3d printing technology, this was like around 2010, I would say when I was kind of getting into the computer stuff. Uh, 3d print technology was like really primitive there, you know, like oh, unless yeah. you had, unless you had like $50,000 or something, your, your 
prints are going to look like crap. You know, there wasn't anything that's really that good out there. And so I kind of, um, I thought, you know, I wonder if I can get a CNC machine or something, you know, like I wonder if they, cause I actually used to work in a machine shop when I, right out of high school, that's what I was doing. So I was like, okay. So, so I was familiar with the, the technology sort of, you know, like I would like G code and stuff. I knew a little bit about that. So, uh, I got a, a I found a little DIY, um, CNC machine, which is like, you put it together. It was a piece of crap. You know, it was, it was, it was so, man, it was so janky. I was, it was like the, the frame of the thing was plastic, you know? Oh I mean? my gosh. Yeah. Which, you know, so, so I was limited in what I could cut, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so I started cutting some like wooden baits and stuff and, you know, I wanted to make some, uh, I had these designs, you know, for a soft bait and stuff. I was like, Oh, I did on the computer. And so I started trying to cut molds and things and it's like, it won't cut aluminum. It won't, you know, cause my machine was so wimpy. Right. So, yeah. so I, I was going through different materials and things, trying to find out what I could cut and what I could make with it, you know? And I settled on some plastic. I found some plastic. I was like, Oh, I can cut this plastic and make molds out of that, you know? So that's where I, that's how I ended on silicone because I couldn't, I, I made these molds with this janky CNC machine, but I couldn't, I couldn't put poor plastisol because it melts them, you know, I yeah. mean, it would melt my molds. So, so that's kind of how I got my bait design. And then I had to, I had, I, I CNC machined this mold and then I had to figure out what materials I could pour in there, you know, to actually make baits. So, so that's, yeah, I don't know, man, it's just such a long process and I had so much going into it, you know, but that's kind of how I ended up with the silicone. That's where I kind of got the, the, the design, you know, is, is working in that library in those, in that technology field and just playing around, finding some software that I could do something with. And I don't know, here we are, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of steps in between, but you know, dang dude. So, I mean, that was like, that's so crazy. That first bait that you had poured or you had made the mold and poured, did you go out and fish it right away just to see if, if, you know, you were decent at what, what you tried to do, or did you have an idea of uh, that it was gonna work and you just kind of made a couple more to have oh no i mean they were really bad early on i mean <laughs> I, I i because i didn't i never really made soft right. baits yeah. before you know i mean i kind of was familiar with the general proportions because i had seen you know i'd fished baits but i but you know as far as like uh trying to get a bait that's you know with the hook on top that's a line <laughs> through and this and that to get in the balance right i mean my first bait that i actually I never sold any. I gave some away, so there's some floating around out there. But it's it's a paddle tail that's kind of more generic. It's not as it's not as deep. You know, it doesn't look quite as you know anatomically correct as yeah. the burrito shad. It's just kind of more generic. It uh, you know, I spent. I mean, trying to get that stupid thing to swim right. You know, it's like the line, the hook on top, and the balance is terrible. And you know, it, it was a, it was a lot, you know, it took a lot, but I, I, you know, what else I got to do? You know, right, that's yeah. the thing is like every bait that I make, I, I didn't really go into it. Like thinking I'm going to sell this thing. You know, I was like, I, I got to have a bait that does what I want it to do. And so I'm just going to keep going. Cause like, what else do I, what, do I, what else do I have to do? You know? So, so that's kind of what it was. The first one was a paddle tail. It had the line through and I'm telling you that thing, once I finally got it dialed in, I mean, it, they, they ate the crap out of that thing. But the reason I never sold it is because it's, it was a very fickle bait, you know, like it, like if you, if you go a little too fast with it, it blows out. If you go a little too slow with it, it dies. And so it yeah. was like, you had to be right on the money with it. And so that's kind of, 
you know, I, I even preach that today. You know, a lot of guys are like, oh, what reel should I use? I'm like, 400 size round reel. And the reason I say that is because, like, that bait right there, I, if I wanted to cast that thing out 50 yards, 60 mm-hmm. yards, and I wanted to keep it in that sweet spot where it swims good, I had to have, like, a whole bunch of spool line capacity on my reel so that my IPT isn't changing. Yeah. Because that bait was, so, like, if I was going too fast, I'm missing bites and stuff, you know? So, so that's kind of... Not all baits were like that. That one was, you know, really, really particular about the retrieve speed. So that's yeah. kind of where I've got, a, I, I, I got like all these old school, like swim bait. I don't know, like rules that I, I still live by, even though I break them now, you know, it's like, well, I guess that ain't that important, but I still feel like, oh, it's gotta be like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But so, but that was one bait that, man, once I got that thing dialed in, they were, if I could, it, 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 I never would sell it just because people would be like, ah, this, because, you know, they'd be like, yeah. oh, not a vicious thing. I can't get bit on yeah, it. Exactly. Well, it's like, dude, it's got to be exactly right or you're not going to get bit on it, you know? So, so I, you know, but that's one that, uh, that's kind of where I started. Then I did, I developed that, the burrito tail, which is kind of more like a, a wedge style tail. You know, I went through and I looked at all the patents that were out there and stuff. I was trying to make sure I didn't, you know, infringe on anybody else's work and, and so I started working on that bait and that one was tough because I, I bet I've got 50, 60 different, you know, t- tail designs that I went yeah. through on oh my original God. burrito shed just to yeah. get it to swim right, you know, and then the head and the different ways. I So I just kind of kept plugging, plugging along on that one until I got it the way I wanted it to. And then, I mean, cause for me, it was like when I catch a fish on it, that, and then I succeeded, you know, so that was my, and my end goal was just to have something I could fish the way I needed to, you know? So, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so that's kind of, I, I don't know if that, I don't even know where, where that was going, where the, what the <laughs> question was. I got ADHD, so I apologize. No, no, you're good. <laughs> I wandered good. too much. It's probably like when you see my Facebook posts that are like, you know, <laughs> 500 words long, it's like, oh my God, this guy wrote an essay on here. I don't want to read this. I mean, that's probably how this is going to be, but that's cool. Anyway, that's actually how I was going to bring that up. Uh, Phil, Vic, and I did an episode a couple of weeks ago, and we got to talking about your uh your your 400 size reel posts on instagram and uh actually when we were talking about it phil and vic were talking about it because they knew what you had wrote and i was reading it and i'm like oh my gosh like i was like this is something that he went into a rabbit hole typing and i but it, but it's like it's awesome because i had never thought of the spool size like affecting how fast the reel is actually pulling line and i had i was talking to somebody else a couple weeks ago and I don't remember if we were recording or not. And like I told them, and it it blew their mind. I'm like, yeah, like I that I would have never thought of of something like that. Like that's it's so crazy that you you thought about that and like could I don't know, dude. That's it's 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 awesome. I'll just I'll just say that I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's not my original idea, really. Mm. You know, what I mean, because yeah, that's an old school swim bait. Like early on, you know, like. There wasn't YouTube when I started. There wasn't Facebook. There weren't all these groups. But there were different, you know, like there was, um, what's that called? Uh, Tackle Tour. Is that what yep. it is? Yeah. There was Tackle Tour. I'd get information from there. There was one, uh, SoCal Fishing or something. You know, I, I'd look at these different resources, and that's kind of where I got most of my information. A lot of those guys said, oh, yeah, use the big reels and this and that. Uh, what's his name? What's the guy that did the... Uh, Bill Cimentel, you know, I've seen videos with him talking about that. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know. So it made sense to me, and it does. It works, you know. Like, yeah. if you've got a bait that you're trying to get swim to swim really good, because, 
you know, sometimes that's it. That's the deal. You know, if your bait isn't swimming good and, and, you know, if I've got a bait in the middle of the water column, I don't know what it looks like, especially if I've I've got a 50 yard cast. I don't know what it looks like. You know, you can't really feel it when it's 50 yards away. You can't really tell, you know? So like anytime I'm fishing a bait in the middle of the water column, I've got that big reel. So I can just, I can count my, my reel turns and I know that it's swimming good way out there. That's it. You know, but now if I'm on the bottom, and I'm bumping into stuff. It doesn't matter, you know, like right. I can, because I can feel what the bait's doing. I can, t- I can tell. And and also when it's hitting stuff on the bottom, that's imparting action to it. So I don't really care as much if I'm bouncing the bottom or if I'm on top, you know, I can see it for the yeah. most part, you know, so I don't care about that. But if I'm in the middle of the water column and I've got a long cast and I, I just, I, you don't know what your bait's doing. It just, I, I don't like fishing in the middle of the water column anyway, like here in Indiana, every, the water's pretty dirty. So, I mean, that's, that's something that, most of the time I'm not getting bit, you know, unless I'm like bumping into stuff, but, but that's that, that in particular, you know, like that's when I care about that big reel because I don't know what my bait swimming like. So I'm, that's why I'm relying on the, uh, the reel to do the work for me. I don't have to calculate. I don't have to try to guess. I know as long as it's swimming close up here and I've got enough line on this reel and my, the line diameter isn't crazy. You know, if I got like 40 pound test on there or something, it'll mess it up. But if they've got, the right line, the right, the big, that big wide spool. It's like, you don't have to think about it. You know? Uh, I mean, that, that, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to guys unless you actually get out there and do it. You know, once you, once you, once you bomb your bait out there and you're like, Oh, because (laughs) you know, like for example, if I've got like a 200 size reel and I got 25 pound mono or something on there and you make a long cast and you're at the bottom of your spool, when you start turning it in, I mean, your bait is like moving super duper slow because you're not pulling any line in the diameter of your spool change so much, you know? So, I, I, you know, that's, that's the thing is trying to keep that consistent. So I don't have to, to guess. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, if, if it takes the guessing out, then that's going to help you catch more fish. I, I that makes complete sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, especially if you're like over a flat, you know, and let's say there's fish that move up into a flat or something, you don't know exactly where that fish is going to be or, or like, you know, so, you know, a lot of times when I'm fishing cover, I'm like, boom, there's going to be fish on that. There's going to be fish on that. But sometimes if I'm covering a flat where the fish maybe roll in and feed, it's like anywhere along that 30, 40 yard stretch, I could get bit, you know? So I, yeah. that's why I'm really particular about, I want to make sure my whole, the whole length of my retrieve that my bait looks good, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> kind of went down a little bit of rabbit hole there, but that's completely okay. Cause it's yeah, I'm sorry. Much- I know. Oh, no, you're good, man. Um, so you do that, you do that inline paddle tail and stuff and you catch fish on it. Did you take that bait and did you modify it into the burrito shad or did you start from scratch the burrito shad or the next bait you made? I should say, whether that was the burrito shad or not. I, you know, I had about, I don't know. I had quite, I actually had quite a few variations of that original bait. I made a, like a deep bodied weedless shad bait. I made, you know, I had a couple different variations and then I just said, eh, and I, I don't know, you know, at a certain point you're like, I don't think this is getting any better. I'm just going to start over, you know, so that's kind of where I got, you know, I'd like that bait. I could still pick it up today and I could still catch a fish on it, but I feel like it's, you know, it's just where I began, you know? So I'm like, I want something that looks better than this. I want something that's more, you know, accurate profile wise, you know? And so, right. yeah, I yeah. just kind of, eventually I just kind of moved on, you know? And so when you started the the shad, um, did you, how did you keep it like very, very realistic looking as far as like shape and body size and stuff go? Like, could you drag in images into, into CAD to go from there? Or did you go out and measure a legit shad and put those dimensions in there and go from there? 
Well, I don't know if you've, have you ever used like any like modeling software? A little bit, but I mean, it's like, it's like so much that it probably doesn't even really count. I've watched guys use it. Yeah, you can, you can actually take a, like find a good picture online of the fish that you want to model and you just pull it up behind. Yeah. So I do what's called polygon modeling, which is like, I mean, it's like Pixar 1997 or something, you know, like nobody does that anymore, probably. Yeah, but, yeah. but anyway, you start with a cube and then you slice it up into vertices yeah. and edges and things and you move them around. You know, now they have a bunch of different, you know, all kinds of modeling tools that are like way more efficient than that. But I still do it the old school because I'm fast at it now, you know. So, so basically what you do is you just pull a picture up on behind you set it as a backdrop of your you know your modeling app there and then you can just drag those vertices and things around to 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 get the shape of your your whatever your fish is or your picture whatever it is you know so that's basically what i did uh i just i kind of i found a picture of a shad online and i kind of trace it out now now that i look at it it's like every time i come out with a new version of the brioche i'm like oh that tail's not that's not quite right <laughs> you know like after you after i make it i'm like ah. and so then the next version i change it a little bit but uh yeah originally i just kind of got the basic shape and then you know for the scales and stuff i did like you know i i didn't model all that stuff i did uh, texture mapping i don't texture, know if you're, yeah yeah so i you know they do that in video games and things uh so i just use like uh, texture maps and then i uh, uh bit uh i can't remember what it's called normal mapping you know so i can tell it so basically it was gradations of color and you can say yep. yeah. this part you go up and this part you go down. So you can just take like a, a Photoshop image of something and actually add actual texture to a, a 3D object, you know. So that's kind of how I got all the scales and that on there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I mean that, that's a rabbit hole in itself just to talk about how to make something. Yeah, 3D, I was, but, yeah. What's I funny because a lot of people are like, Oh man, like the computer's cheating, and this—I was like, dude, you don't know how many thousands of hours I've spent on the computer just to get to where I'm comfortable, like designing yeah. something. You know, I mean, it's not that—it's not easy. You know, it's like, you know, carving something is not easy either, but it's—it's it's equally difficult on the computer. But it's a lot more. There's a lot more technical stuff that you have to. You know, it's not. Thing is, when I make something on a computer. Like, I have no idea what it actually looks like until mm -hmm. I actually cut it and pull it out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to work, you know, and then I go back to the computer or whatever. So, I mean, it, it, well, when you're working with something, carving it, it's like in your hand. Every time you make a change, you see it, right? Like, that's the end result right there, you know? So, I mean, it's different, but it, it's, it's, it's a lot of work too, especially the back, the back end of it. You know, it's like, dude, you get like up front, you got to invest so much time and energy into like learning how to use the software. It's. It's it's tough, you know, but I, I think between this episode, just from what you've touched on already and uh, in the episodes that I've done with Jake from Row Innovations, I think guys who obviously listen to the show, I think if they had if they were skeptical about it or thought X, Y, Z, I think they've came around to the idea of, oh, like uh, it, it costs a lot of money to do. You have to you have to not have an idea to what you're doing. I mean, anybody relative uh, can go get a block of wood and start carving relative to if it looks good or not doesn't. Yeah. That's not part of the equation, but like you have to sit down and you have to learn, you have to teach yourself how to do the CAD work and, and figure out like what, just how, how it works in general. Like you have to learn everything from scratch, like picking up oh, yeah. a piece of wood and a knife is pretty, pretty, pretty primitive compared to getting on a computer and, and doing what, what you've been talking about already. Yeah. Because, you know, by the time you learn how to model something, 
and then you actually model something that looks nice. That's just that's one small part of it because then you what are you going to do with that? You know, so now you got to figure out how you know. Then you got to learn how to do the. Uh, now it's easier with the three D printing stuff, but like back then it was. I have to turn this into G code so I can, you know, so, then, so that I can actually do something with it on a CNC machine or whatever. So then you got to learn how to do your your actual uh, cam software, which is yeah. like the software that turns it all into the G code. And you got to figure out how your machine, your tooling and how you're going to cut this and that and what, you know, what bits you're going to use and what size they are and how, what speed your feed speeds are. You know, like if you're feeding it too fast, it breaks your bits. If you're going too slow, it's like gums up your bit, you know, and it's like, you got to figure out all this stuff about, there's just so much, it's just like endless, you know? So like, you know, I sp- that was a trial and error thing, too. You know, once I got a CNC machine, like, I didn't know, you know, this janky machine. It could only cut certain things. I, I mean, I went through so many different materials to figure out what I could actually cut. And, okay, what kind of bits should I use, you know? So I ended up on this particular kind of bit and this kind of thing. And I got to feed it this way. And it's got four flutes versus two flutes. And, <laughs> I mean, there's, like, all this stuff and how to get these things to cut properly and everything. I mean, it's just, like, an endless, you know? And and yeah. at some point, at some point, I'm just like, that's good enough. You know, I'm like, right, I, yeah. I, I'm, I don't want to just keep going on this. That's good enough. You know, so I like, like my baits, if you look at them, they got these kind of lines in them, you know, like they got these lines. And those are the tooling marks, you know, where the machine yep. goes. Yeah. And I could go in there and be like, okay, use a finer bit and clean. I'm clean like, it up. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's good enough. That's good enough because like, I don't want to go down that hole forever. You know, uh, it gets, it catches fish. I'm good with it. You know? Yeah. I was, I was going to say, um. I, you, you'd said, oh, you're kind of scatterbrained and stuff. Do you hyper fixate on stuff when you start making a new bait or like when you, when you first started the shad, were you like, this is exactly what I want it to be. I'm not going to do anything else until it gets like this. And then you go out and fish it and you're like, oh, it, it doesn't do this. So then you just get hyper fixated on, on doing that. Or are you pretty much all over the place as far as that goes? Uh, yeah, I get hyper fixated. Uh, you know, I, I really when i start something well that's the thing you know it's i'm really <laughs> surprised that i did follow through with it because a lot of times i i got a lot of projects i've started that i've never finished you know so it's, it's pretty amazing i actually followed through with it but if i'm passionate enough about something you know i i, I usually follow it through but um that one yeah i mean i don't know i think it was just fishing was enough a part of my life that i cared enough about it that i wanted to you know, and it was kind of a, it was kind of a perfect storm of things. You know, I love fishing that, that, which would be the outcome. And I wouldn't get to that, that outcome if I didn't follow through with the bait, you know, yeah. to get the way I wanted it to be. So I, I was interested enough in the technology side of it to keep me going. And I was interested enough in the reward of, you know, being successful and catching fish with it. So that, that's kind of why I felt, you know, followed it through, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an interesting it was kind of like a whole bunch of stuff that I like that just kind of fell into place together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's awesome that it, that it did happen that way <clears throat> because that's, I'm the same exact way, man. When I, when I start something like I'm either super hy- hyper fixated on it or, you know, I get, get about halfway done with it or something. Or my big thing is like, I do something and it doesn't turn out right the first time. And I just give up on it. I'm like, this is so stupid. I don't even know why I started doing this in the first place. Yeah, but you know, I do that too because that's good. You need to stop when something's yeah. stupid and you're wasting your time on it. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. yeah, that's the thing. You got to know when to like, this is dumb. I'm not doing this anymore and walk away. You know, 
because yeah. you could be doing something good and you're wasting your time on something stupid. So like all along the way, I've been like, okay, this is a waste of time. I'm not good at this. So I'm not even going to bother, you know, cause I got all these grandiose like aspirations to do this and that and whatever. And, and it's like, okay, I gotta, you gotta learn to when to say, yeah, okay, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that. Right. You know, yeah. was, uh, do you, do you remember when you, I guess, how did you get confident enough to sell your first batch of baits? How did, how did you, how did you get in that mindset? Um, you know, honestly, I, I'd fished my baits for a while, you know, and, um, I think swim bait universe had, it was just in its infancy. I think it was like 2013 or 14 or something when I first, you know, what's funny is like, I was on Facebook and I was a fishing person and I never thought, you know, maybe there's a group on here of people yeah. like fishing or something, you know? So I, I, I went on there, swim bait, you know, I typed in swim bait and search bar swim bait universe. Okay. You know, and so, I mean, right away I was like, oh, cool, you know, because I, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that there would be Facebook groups of people that like things that I like or whatever. So anyway, I, I got on there and uh, I was kind of working on the bait at that time when I first joined up and um, I, I kind of got some baits finished and I made some for myself and I, I post, posted on there. I said, hey, you know, I, I may, I make this bait and uh I've got maybe, you know, I may, I can make a couple extra if somebody else wants, wants one, you know, yeah. and I, and, and I said, they're 35 bucks or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was like cheaper than they are now back when I didn't make any money on them, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so I had, uh, Mike Buca was one of the first people that said, oh, I'll try one. And uh, Matt McBee, Wayne Campbell. I like, I had some, some pretty like right off the bat, I had some pretty like established like yeah. swim bait guys that were like, I'll try it. Cause they saw that it was something that wasn't, they didn't have access to, you know, it wasn't something that was yeah. just readily available. So I'll, I'll try it, you know? So I, I think I sold maybe 10 the first time around, you know? And, uh, right away there was, uh, a guy, um, Oh, Rhett Wheeler. I don't know if you know who he is. He used to be on the, the forum quite a bit and he would, uh, or on the Facebook group, uh, swim bait universe. And he used to, uh, he was a swim bait guy. And right away, like literally I sent those baits out and two days later, he's like, Hey man, I got a fish on it. I was like, really? That's awesome. You know, he was the first one to sent me a picture of a fish that he'd caught, you know, and it was actually a video. He showed me a video of the fish that he caught. And so I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. You know? So that was kind of the start, you know? And then after that I posted, I think Chad Yates, everybody's favorite, you know, you know, Chad, you know, Chad, right? I know Chad. Okay. He, you know, shortly after I, so I think, I don't know if he got the, in the first batch, but he was in one of the first few batches. He caught a 10 pounder on it, like in Texas, like within a, you know, really early on. So right there, you know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, guys are catching fish on this thing. Maybe I'll sell more of them, you know? So right, then, I, yeah. then I started doing that because I didn't, I, it wasn't really my intent at all. You know, none of my baits really, it's always about, always been about me trying to solve a problem, a fishing problem that I have. That I need have, something that yeah. does this. And I want to, I want a bait that does this, you know? So that's kind of how all my baits start out, but you know, to see other people catching fish on them and stuff like, Oh, cool. You know? Yeah. And th- was that, <clears throat> was that a driving point for you to think of some other baits that maybe you could have, you would benefit from making for yourself and maybe other guys would, would catch fish on too. Or were you just like, Oh, Guys like this, Chad, that's super cool, but I want a bluegill style bait for myself now. Yeah. I mean, it's always pretty much the only time that, you know, it's always been pretty much what I, what I do because the thing is I, I like, 
I, I, mean, I don't want to make baits for other people the way they want them to be because I'm, I'm not good at that. You know, like I, there's, there's uh, so many baits on the market right now that I'm like, I don't really, I can't, this bait doesn't do it for me. You know, like I can't do what I want with it. Yeah. So for me to like make a bait for guys that are using those baits, I, I just don't know that I could do it well, you know, like, like if I can't, like I'm a fisherman first and foremost, you know, so if I can make a bait that works for me here, I feel like it would work for anybody else anywhere if they want it, you know? So I always make them for myself. Like I don't have testers and things because I don't, I just don't see how that works. I, I don't, I don't see how I can send a bait to somebody somewhere that maybe they live on some awesome place and they're catching fish. That doesn't really tell me how well my bait works. You know, it's like, I, I want to go out on my water and see for myself how's this thing how's this thing skip you know how's this thing yeah. is it can i get this to walk out of a, a pile of sticks without getting hung up can I, you know like what's the hookup ratio like I, all those things that make my baits what they are it's really hard to get feedback from other guys and and know in depth what i can get you know like what my bait's actually capable of so i i always design baits for myself and and just it's fortunately that's always worked for me you know, fortunately, there's guys out there that are like, yeah, this is working for me, too. This is, you know, like maybe they didn't even know they needed it until they got it. And they're like, oh, this bait's great, you know. So I just that's always been the way I do it. I just make bait for myself, you know. Yeah. So what was what was the next bait you had made for yourself uh, after after the shad? Or was it just variants of the shad that you had worked on after? I think the next bait was the gill, which I, I want to say it was the burrito gill. Um, that was because I just wanted the gill version on my breed, yeah, yeah. you know? And so that one, I actually, um, I did, I, it's very similar except for the tails different. I, I wanted a more kind of natural looking gill tail. So I, I changed the design on the tail, but, uh, other than that, that was pretty much the same deal, you know? So I had the burrito shad, then I had the burrito gill and then, um, man. I don't even remember where I went from there. Maybe the maybe I got a smaller the six inch burrito shad maybe came after that, and because I wanted a smaller version, you know. And then I just kind of went from there. And something what's funny is a lot of times, it's like I'll I'll make a bait just for a two week bite window. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, like like oh man, I need so I've got so many baits in. I don't even remember what what came when, you know. <laughs> But because some of them, a lot of them, I don't even, you know, I just make them for myself. And I'm like, there's right. no way that anybody's going to have this. Because like, for example, it's this past summer, you know, I'm fishing this, this, we got this stuff called water willow. I don't know if you know what that is. It's kind of like toolies, but it's short and uh, we don't have much grass here. All we have is pretty much that water willow stuff. So, you know, I was fishing this one uh, little segment. Uh, on my lake that I live on. And I was like, man, I really need a bait that I can throw in there that I can walk through there and blah, blah, blah. So I just took a regular burrito shad and I modified it a little bit and I caught a couple of good fish on it in that, in that water willow stuff. And then I started working on, okay, well maybe I'll, maybe I'll make this an actual bait. And so I, you know, and then by the time I got to my first working prototype of that bite's gone, you know? Oh. So I don't know if I'll ever go back to that bait ever again. Yeah. You know I mean? That's just how it is. It's like, so many times I've designed a bait just for a, cause I'm pretty quick at it now, you know, like I've designed a bait for a specific bite, like, oh man, their fish are up in the, in, under that dock in this one spot, you know, and it's like, if I can just get a bait up under there and I could, you know, and so I'll make a bait just to do that. And then, and then two weeks later that those fish move out and then yeah. it's like, I, okay, I don't know if I'll ever use this bait ever again. <laughs> I mean, that's, but 
so most of my baits happen like that. Now, if I build something that I think is general enough that most people would find it useful, then then I'll because like it's not just making a bait, you know. It's like it's like going through and refining it and tweaking it to the point where you can make them consistently and efficiently and actually make money on it, you know. So so a lot of my baits are so hacked together, the the prototypes and things that I make for those short duration like bites and things. They're so hacked together that it's like there's, you know, for it'd take a lot more work for me to make this into something yeah. that I would sell. And so right. it's a lot of times not worth it. You know, it's like, I, I just really wanted this just for me for this one bite, you know? So, so a lot of times I've got tons of baits that are like that, you know? When, uh, when you, when you first made the gill, what, what were your aspirations with What were your aspirations were with it? Did you plan on making a jig hook or was the line through what, what you thought you were going to stick with or Did you just, was it just going to be like a hybrid or whatever you want, what, whatever hooking system you wanted for it? I think originally it was a jig hook. Like the first couple that I made were jig hook. And then, man, I can't remember because I remember I had some, I do have some jig hook ones somewhere like original early jig hook ones. But then I thought, you know, I like the line through thing. Problem is, is the, uh, I think with the gill, I really wanted to be able to fish it in the grass more. So I wanted it to be more slender, yeah. I think. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put a jig hook on there so that I can fish it in the grass, you know? So then I started with the jig hook and then it had a lip, uh, like an open lip, like a, like a natural fish would. And then I'm like, oh, that lip's catching grass. That ain't no good. You know, yeah. and that's kind of how I work through things. It's like, okay, that's catching grass. That ain't no good. Blah, 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 blah. And now, you know what, that line through the line tie comes out the, the nose and this and that, and that works pretty good. And so I, you know, I just kind of went back to the line through system because that, that really worked well for the, um, the shad. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, uh, later on, I did come back to the jig hook, but you know, I, in the beginning, I, I just kind of stuck with the line through for that bait. Um, I don't know, man. I got so many just, <laughs> yeah, I've got like tubs and tubs and tubs of like different variations of all kinds of stuff. So I'm like. I don't even know what I've made, you know, it's like, <laughs> I go, th- I, I go through a tub and I'm like, Oh wow. I forgot about this thing. You know, like right. I got, and I don't know where it fits in, in the chronology of what I've made, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember you making a post of, of a couple boxes full of baits and everybody's like, Oh my gosh. You're like, yeah, I've, I've made a lot of baits that you guys have never even seen. Or like you said, you make, you make for something and then you go out and the fish aren't on that, on that pattern anymore. Like, Oh, well, we'll just throw it in the box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I actually went through and tried to organize some of those so that they're not all just bunched up in a box getting, you know, who knows what happened to them. But um. I, I will say the um the line through gill, that thing, I, I've caught a lot of bowfish or bow, bowfin dogfish, whatever you want to call them. On yeah, that thing. I've caught I've caught. A That's lot awesome. Of I've never caught one of those. I really want to. Like, I'm always jealous of these. Oh, I got a striper. It's like, dang it. I want to catch a striper, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, bowfin is one that's always been, yeah, I think I, I think I had a bowfin bite one time. Okay. They have a bunch of little tiny teeth, right? I've never yeah, seen one. Yeah, and they're like super, super sharp. Like they'll snap through like 17 pound, like it's nobody's business. See, I, cause one time I was fishing a burrito shad in this pond, it was like a small pond, you know, and all I've ever, there's koi in there. There's, there's carp in there, but it's got a Creek that flows in it. So who knows what's in there, you know? Yeah. And so I catch bass in there all the time. But one day I was like, it was cold out and I was creeping a burrito shed, you know? And then something picked it up and I was like, what is it? You know? And I set, I set on it. I didn't, it was on there for like a second, but I didn't hook it. And then I got it back and there was a whole bunch of little slashes all over it. Yeah. 
I, so would, I'm like, I, would, I don't think that was a muskie. I might have been a bowfin or something. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a turtle for sure because it was like a whole bunch of slashes, you know. Right. It's like, oh, that may have been my bowfin. I didn't get it, you know. Because <laughs> they uh, when they come up, they'll, they'll they'll like peck at something. They'll have it in their mouth, and then they they kind of do like like a double take where they where they open up their jaws and then they they suck down all the way. See that that sounds like it because it like picked it up, and then I felt the weight on there. Yeah, like, that that it didn't feel like a bass the way it was. Yep. You know, I was like, is this bass? Is this a bass that's got it? You know, so I set on it, but then it just it didn't. I didn't hook it, and then but yeah, I, I might have been man. And they uh, yeah, they they hit super light. Like the only reason I catch so many is because I sight fish them. So like I can see when they bite, I can see when it's all the way in their mouth and everything. But like the ones I I've caught them, uh, like like throwing throwing soft baits like with underspins, and like I'm slow reeling it, slow rolling. And then you kind of you kind of feel like a not necessarily a thump, but you feel like a uh, like a tap, and you're like, huh, that's weird. And I, I'd keep reeling, and I got I was probably like a sixty yard cast. It bit at like fifty yards. I got it all the way to the boat, and the fish was just just swimming with my line. And then it saw the boat let go and swam away. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how like catching them on accident. I feel like is very impressive because I've never been able to catch one on accident like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a bucket list uh, fish for me. I'd love to catch one of those things. They're they're so much fun. I I got a spot up at home that it's just it's absolutely it's just a shoot fest because there's so many in there and it's like it's kind of like what you were saying like it's a small pond area. It's like if 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 you live by like a marsh and like there's there's some kind of fish in there, I would guarantee that there's bowfin in there because that's what this spot is. It's literally maybe nine inches deep and there's just hundreds of dogfish that swim around in this spot. Oh, wow. Do they ever cruise across like the surface? Like a, yeah. Like yeah, a shark. Really Cause see, that's what, that's what I've seen in this pond too. It was like, what is that thing? Is like, is that a, uh, I didn't know if it was a muskrat. It's like, no, that's some kind of fish, you know, it's like really weird. But I don't know. But the, the one thing, like, I don't know, you had talked about how like your water down there is super visible, but like walking the shoreline in the spring, like, mm-hmm. If if it's decently shallow, there's probably a good possibility you can see them because their pecs and like their underfins and everything get super super like uh, I mean like toxic green like that color. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And like it's just they stick out so much, and that's like that's when I like to fish for them because like you can see them, and that's like when they're the most aggressive, and they just they hit anything. It's just so ridiculous. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So the. I guess when when did the baka come around? When did you start making that? I, I don't even know. I will say I've been saying it. I've been saying baka like that for since I'd seen the bait. I don't even know if that's how you say it. That's just I saw it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely how you say it. That's what I. That's what I say. Just because really, it's for Lake Bacharach. Yeah. Guess. So it sounds, but it sounds dumb to say baka. So you know, so I say baka. You know, I say baka. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's just. I mean. Yeah. I mean. Uh, that one, that was probably five or six years ago, I think. Uh, actually, Wayne Campbell from Swimbait Universe, he said, hey, man, uh, we're taking a trip to uh, Lake Bacharach, Mexico. And that's how you say Lake Bacharach, right? I, I always say Bacharach. That's exactly how I say okay. it. Uh, some, people, some people probably say like Bacharach or something. Like I say Bacharach. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't listen to actual people talk in real yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. You know, I only see it written down on the computer. That's pretty much it. You know, so... But uh, he's like, hey, man, we're taking a trip to Mexico. And, you know, a lot of guys are throwing paddle tails like the Storm and the Berkeley one and those, those kinds of baits. But, you know, is it, can, you, can you whip up something better? And, and the thing is, I've fished those baits. Those are good baits, you know, like the Storm and the, uh, that now the Berkeley has one. The, the um, River to Sea had one called the Bottom Walker. There was a bunch of different baits, you know. 
and I'd fished those things for years. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I was familiar with them. So I was like, you know, I know what I would want to do to that bait to make it better for me. Yeah. And so the, the main thing that I have against those kinds of baits is they don't have much presence in the water <clears throat> because the paddle tail is so light on them that, that it's almost like throwing a, a Mr. Twister or something. You know, the, <laughs> it doesn't have much resistance in the water. It doesn't really, it doesn't have a kick like a swim bait. It's more like throwing a, a heavy weighted grub sort of, you know? So I was like, okay, I want it to have more resistance in the tail section. I want it to, you know, I want it to be more controlled. So it's not because they twist like crazy in the back. I want it to be more controlled. I want to have more kick. I want to be able to fish it, you know, shallow and deep, you know? So like the, a lot of those baits, you throw them up shallow and they just drop like a rock because the tail doesn't have any resistance in the water. So it's hard to keep them up. So I was, so, you know, I kind of had an idea of how I wanted it to put it together. So I actually threw that bait together pretty quick. And I had a couple of different versions. I had a real heavy version. And then I had the version that, because I thought, you know, if you're throwing this in 20 foot of water or something, you might yeah. want to have a heavier version so you can keep <laughs> it going and keep it down there. But so I sent them a heavier version. And then I sent them the version that most people know today. And uh, I mean, they liked the lighter version. They found a way to fish it down there effectively. And they said, oh, we're, we're good with the lighter one, you know. So I quit, I quit making the heavier one. I, that, there's only one batch of those really heavy ones uh, because they were doing it with the lighter one. So I'm like, why use that heavier bait than you need to, you know. So, yeah. uh, and so a lot of guys have caught good fish on those things over the years. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it started, you know, just his inquiry. You know, hey, man, could you make this bait? And, uh, and you know, what's funny is I, I, I thought, okay, I like those baits. I, I could do that, but I didn't really think it would be as versatile as it ended up being. I threw yeah. it quite a bit myself. I, I really didn't think I would throw it that much, but I find myself, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to pick that bait up anymore. You know, is, um, do you think that was the bait that kind of, that people associate burrito with? Like, they're like, oh my gosh, like that is a burrito. Cause like, I mean, you can talk to a lot of guys who aren't necessarily like, uh, familiar with, with swim bait fishing and if they've ever seen a couple videos of tactical bass and like they know what it is they yeah. they've seen they've seen buka posts about it like do you think that was the bait that kind of made people like oh that this that's that burrito guy who makes these baits or who designed this bait yeah i mean i think that's probably that's definitely the most uh well-known well-known yeah um because guys are using it down there and and you know now buka has it and uh but so uh, when people think burrito, they most of them think that. I, I mean, I think a lot of guys are like, "Oh yeah, I'll throw the burrito," but it, honestly, that's a baca. A burrito is actually the burrito shad. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's a burrito to me. But I know a lot of people think the baca is is the <laughs> kind of the quintessential burrito, but really, it, it's not to me. But I don't care. You know, whatever people. I'm just man. It's just so cool having people throw your baits and catch fish on them. Stuff. It's like I don't really care what people are doing as long as they're catching fish on them. You know, it's cool. Yeah. We, I mean, we, uh, we, we fished them last year and we got into a super slick pattern fishing like an underwater island. We'd set up, we'd set up, uh, well, we, we tried it a few different ways, but this year we're going to set up sitting on the island, casting off and dragging them up. But anyway, we, we were like, we were yo-yo fishing them like lipless baits and we yeah. caught a lot of fish doing that. Yeah. There's a lot of ways you can fish that thing, man. I like, you know, I yo-yo it in the water column. I hop it on ledges. I climb up ledges with it. I skip it under docks. I, I rip it out of grass. I mean, there's like so many, I fish it in the inches of water, you know, I'll throw yeah. it. And as long as you keep your tip up and keep the, you know, I don't know if you've swift fish swim jigs or anything, but like, if you shake your tip, you can keep your swim jig up, you know? So I can yeah, do the same yeah. thing with the baca and just, you can go to going pretty slow and in like inches of water if you want to, you know, it's like, there's a lot of different ways you can fish that thing. So 
that's what I think. That's that's another thing, you know, like like the burrito shad, the burrito gill. They're, they're honestly they're kind of more technical baits, you know. They're they're kind of like creeping bottom, which is a lot of guys. I don't know that they're super comfortable doing that. You know, fishing them in heavy cover. I feel like I feel like they're kind of more technical. Yeah. So maybe maybe a lot of guys aren't really utilizing them to their <laughs> their their potential, you know. Whereas like the baca, I mean, you could just freaking throw that thing anywhere, and it seems like a fish eater. I don't know what it is. It's just yeah. So that that one I think is just a lot more accessible. You know, guys are that's a lot easier to fish. So it just it just kind of took off because I mean. It, 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 they eat it. You know, I mean, they love yeah. that stupid thing. I don't know what it is, but I swear to God, it's like that they just eat that stupid thing. I don't know why, but it's yeah. Different. When, when guys would talk about fishing it in Mexico, um, I've been with Wayne and Chad and all them talking about fishing Mexico and they're talking about how you have a lot of jigs and stuff. Cause it's like those super big bluff walls. And so I always figured like they just crawled up the bluff wall, like hopping it like a jig up the bluff wall. And, uh, I mean, but like you said, like you can, you can do anything with it. Like, uh, is it you? Somebody had posted pictures of like it, it with a, uh, um, like a spinnerbait head. Oh attached. yeah, I do that. Yeah, I put. Well, yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, I do that quite a bit. I also run it sometimes on like a Carolina rig, or not a Carolina rig, an Alabama rig, and oh I mean, yeah, a lot of things. I, it, actually, the five inch is better for that kind of stuff, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can put a, I mean, you can do anything with that stupid thing. If you put a, <laughs> like a big willow leaf blade on it, then it's really easy yeah. to keep it up. You know, you can fish that thing really easily slow. You put a big Colorado blade on there and you'll go, you can go real slow with it, but you know, the tail's not going to kick necessarily. It's kind of got a range where it, it starts kicking, but it's easy to keep it up. If you do that, you can get, add some flash to it. I mean, I mean, you can do a lot with that thing. Right. Do you, off the top of your head, like what's the biggest fish that, that somebody's caught on, on one of your burrito baits? Uh, I know that a couple of guys caught 12s in, you know, in Mexico. Yeah. Um, I think it was, somebody got a 13 or something. Dang. I don't really know, but. Um, There's probably so much stuff going on. It's hard to keep up with all that stuff. Yeah. I really, what I care about are the PVs, you know, like yeah. I know a lot of guys, so many guys have their PV on the, burrito gill you know for whatever reason that's the one that seems like a lot of guys get pbs on a lot of guys in massachusetts have pbs on that yeah uh, so that's kind of that's the cool thing to me you know like uh so i i, I don't even really remember i mean there's been so many over the years of like man hey i'm on pb today yeah but that's all so cool you know it's like ah oh, it's like i don't even have my pb on my own bait you know right yeah. <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> yeah but it's really cool you know it's like uh Damn. So what, what, where did the name burrito come from? This is probably something we could have touched on earlier, but. Oh, feel- you know, it's, it's really, really dumb. I mean, it's not dumb. It's cool. But, uh, so, you know, I was, I set up this, I made this bait, started making bait, sold some baits and I, you know, I'm like, okay, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, um, I got to set up a tax ID, you know, so that I'm not, so I'm legal, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I said to my wife, when I'm filling out the, the, the paperwork and stuff. I said, Hey, what, what should I call my company? And, and <laughs> she I'm, says, I'm she says, I want you to call it burrito baits. Cause you eat burritos every day. That, that's literally it. I said, okay. Like so I just wrote that on the tax thing. And I was, <laughs> it was literally, that was it. You know, she said that and coming from art school and being kind of an, you know, like a visual artist yeah. mentally, that's kind of how I think. Really, whenever you create like a piece of artwork, right? You 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 put you put your soul into it. You're making this net. You you you're you're kind of guided to make these decisions to make this visual piece of work or whatever it is. 
and then you assign meaning to it afterwards. You know, you, you, you know, like you don't, you talk about it in a way that, uh, makes sense after the fact, you know, you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but that made sense to me. I don't know why it makes sense, but we're just going to go with burrito baits, you know? So but yeah. then after the fact, it's like, that makes perfect sense. It's like one big, like a burrito is like a big food pellet. It's like a food pellet for a fish. You know what I mean? It's just one big meal all in one pellet for a fish. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense, you know, but I didn't, I, I just did it. Cause she's, that's what she suggested. But after, <laughs> after that, it's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. So that's, that was a good name, you know? And, it, and it's, it's good name because it's easy to remember, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I will say I've had, I've had some people look at me when I, I, the first time I ever bought one of your baits, I bought a shirt with it too. And uh, I mean, it's the gray T-shirt that says Burrito Baits and in yeah. green font. And I mean, I, I remember wearing that. I think, fuck, what was it like my junior, my junior sophomore year in high school? And if yeah. I had a dollar, I went to a super small high school. And if I had a dollar, every time somebody came up and was like, "What the hell is Burrito Baits?" And at the time, I'm like, oh, it's this is this guy who makes these baits. I bought one and I decided to buy a shirt, and they just like would scoff and turn around. I'm like, I don't know what you wanted me to answer. Like, I just told you what I knew. I don't know why. Right? Yeah. Yeah, my son has one. He wears it to school, but all his friends and stuff know that I make them or whatever, you know. But it's just funny. It's like, yeah, that's that's interesting. Actually, that from I, uh, I so I bought it was a jig hook gill. I bought the mm-hmm. t shirt. It came in super okay. stoked. I remember we're, that exactly. Yeah, just not getting that yeah. <laughs> I guess in I wind up. We're we're in my bass boat in the middle of this lake, and uh, wind up get about probably about my fifth cast you know i'm like oh wow this this thing like weighs like good amount like i can cast it pretty far and this one i put by that fifth or sixth cast i put both cheeks into it and that thing that thing's still probably flying i mean that thing was gone <laughs> it, my, my dad freaked out he's uh he hurry up put, picks the trolling motor up he's firing the big motor on it he's like oh we're gonna go get it i'm like no there's there's no point. I mean, it, it's gone. Like, it's, yeah. It's, I'll just get another one. It's really okay. And he's like, no, no, you just got it. I'm like, no, really, it's it's okay. I'll get another one. And he's like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Well, we went back to fishing that day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so. That's such a funny story. I love telling that story. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. But yeah, that's cool, man. What? Uh, when? So, when when you came up with the name and stuff, and then you came out with like the uh, the taquito and uh, oh, what's the other one? Taquito. Taco? Like, you, yeah, yeah, the taco. Did you just kind of, were you just like, I'm just going to kind of do this name to go with the memes? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. I was like, okay, I guess we're locked into this, you know, food thing. So, I, you know, I kind of kind of try to get away from that now, but um, because it gets too confusing. You know, people right, are like, yeah. is this a, is this an enchilada? What is this? Like, I, you know, it's like, I don't yeah, know. You tornado know. Or what, what it, it just started getting kind of confusing. So I tried to just, now I just call it whatever kind of fish it is, burrito, you know, because it's like burrito shiner is the newest one that came out because it's just getting too confusing. So, uh, but yeah, so I just tried to, I, for a while there, I was trying to, let's go with this. But then it's like, after at a, at a certain point, you kind of run out of food, you know. So yeah, like, right, yeah. There's only know. so much Mexican cuisine right? from a burrito, <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm not like I'm not all about this appropriation or whatever, you know. I'm just, yeah. you know, like I'm just gonna just we're just gonna stay with burrito and <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever the fish is, you know. Yeah. Um. Do you, I mean, do you remember? I don't know if if they had gotten the the bacchus from you, but do you remember when like Matt Allen and the tactical Bassin guys picked up some of your baits? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a long, quite a while ago, he, Matt contacted me. It's like, Hey, you know, cause he tries all kinds of baits from everybody, you know? Yeah. But he, you know, he's picked up a burrito shad and uh, maybe a taquito or something years ago. Uh, 
But, you know, like their business model is like tech warehouse. So, you know, like I think they use a lot of guys stuff, but really it's more about, you know, uh, they got to make money. So it's like, you know, they really push the stuff that they could sell, you know, in volume. I just didn't, I wasn't there, you know, I couldn't sell volume because they don't want to send somebody to me be like, oh yeah, this bait's great. And then they can't get one, you know? And so really it kind of took off more when, Buca made them more available and then they're right. like okay we're comfortable promoting this because they've been yeah. using my baits for quite a while but you know they don't want to send people somewhere if they can't get it so right. so mm-hmm. now that the the baka is more available now they they you know they, they'll talk about it now which is really cool you know yeah do you um you had kind of talked about how you do this stuff for you like make the baits for you do you get a lot of messages of guys like, oh, I think I think you should do, um, you know, this variation of X Y Z bait because I would catch a lot of fish on it, and I think I think you'd sell a lot of them, or people kind of know that this is just what whatever you kind of want is what you do. Yeah, I mean, I used to early on, you know, it'd yeah. be like, hey man, you got to make a shed glide. It's like, I don't know what you're <laughs> you know, or, or they'd be like, hey man, or they'd be like, hey man you know, you need to do is you need to make a, a, a like a, like kind of like your burrito shed, like a jig hook burrito shed, but not the shed, make it like a trout. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, you mean like a HUD? Cause that already, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't want to make that, you know, it's like, so I, That's you know, I do get people do that, but I, I get it. You know, like I, if I could be like, Hey man, make me this thing and I didn't have to make it myself, that'd be awesome. So I get it, you know, but, but I just try to, it's hard for me to do that, you know, like to make something that somebody else wants. I just, I, I, I just, I can't do that. Yeah. I feel like that's, uh, that's, <clears throat> that'd be the hard part of a lot of people sending in requests and you're like, okay, guys, like, I appreciate it. But like, this is, I'm just doing this stuff because I want to catch my fish here. Yeah. I, I, you know, I used to get that quite a bit. I don't get it too much anymore, but like people, man, I tell you, I got like some of the best customers ever. I, I just, it's really, you know, because you think you're going into business and you got a bunch of people complaining and yelling at you or whatever. All that. I, I like never like everybody's super cool. Like I rarely get anybody that has a problem with baits or anything like that. It's always been really cool, you know. So I, whenever somebody asks for something, I try to, you know, I try to accommodate. You know, like, there have been times over the years where I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll try to work that up, you know. But for the most part, it's just really hard to do, you know, because if one guy wants something doesn't mean like you know, enough guys are going to want that thing to, to, to buy them. Cause I don't right. want to just make a bait for one guy to one use, person, you know? Yeah. Um, when, how, okay. So I'm trying to think how to word this. So you're pouring the baits and stuff. Do you paint them afterwards or do you, I, I guess how, how do, how do the gills like get their gill color? How do you go about that? Oh, uh, I, over the years, I've done a bunch of different things. Sometimes I paint super secret. You don't need to like go oh, and dump no, out of I mean, uh, now I paint them after the fact I do everything with a brush. I don't, I don't okay. airbrush it. That's why it all looks kind of like, like it's kind of like somebody's, you know, junior high art project a little bit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're not the most like intricate, perfect detailed baits. But, but the thing is, is that's kind of, you know, when I, when I make a bait, I'm like, I don't want this thing to be pristine. You know, because fish aren't pristine, you know, like I'm okay with all the, the little brush marks and other things because it's kind of yeah. makes it look a little, it's hand, they're handmade and I don't try to hide it. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, with the airbrush and stuff, it's like stuff gets a little too, uh, I don't know, it's a little too manufactured looking, you know, yeah, so, I, uniform. so I try to, yeah, a little too uniform. So I, you know, I'm, I, I paint everything with a hand, with a paintbrush and people have been like, why don't you use the 
why don't you use an airbrush? And I'm like, well, because man, I don't want to deal with spraying that stuff. I don't have good ventilation, the chemicals. I don't want to be breathing that stuff. You know, as time has gone on, I've been more like, uh, I need to quit using that. That's not good. You know, and so I'm trying to make it more, you know, like a, a safer environment for, you to, for me to work in. And paintbrush is like the safest, easiest, quickest way for me to do it. You know, so that's right. just what I do. I paint everything with a paintbrush. Yeah, I feel like that's, uh, I mean, most, I mean, you have an idea how to paint, like buying a, buying an airbrush and stuff. Like you said, that takes, you got to have ventilation. You got to, I mean, it's, it's not easy from what I've been told. Like, obviously you can pick it up, but you got to have an idea what you're doing to, to make it look decent. And especially if you yeah. do like a gill pattern or something like, yeah, just, just kind of take the easy Yeah. Way and around. I have, you know, I have the airbrush and stuff. Cause some, every once in a while I'll paint a hard bait. I'll make a hard bait and I'll paint it or something. But uh mm-hmm. like the 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 silicone it doesn't it doesn't it's hard to paint that you know yeah. it doesn't come out of it doesn't come out of the airbrush the same way and so i played with it a little bit it's like eh, i ain't doing this i'm just gonna do it by hand you know yeah going off the hard baits uh how, what what hard baits have you made i know i've seen the three-piece shad uh, a decent amount there's been a couple guys who've posted pictures of those over the years that i've seen is that the only like hard bait you've made 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 and people have i should say um i there was the the first one i made was the it's called the hard shell burrito which is a stupid name but that's kind of that's <laughs> kind of why i named it that but anyway that was the first one it's just a three-piece bait and i i made i don't know maybe i don't even know like 20 of them or something when i when i first kicked off my website and that was like 2014 or something that's when I first opened Brio Baits because up until then people were just getting, you know, hitting me up on Facebook yeah. or whatever. So I actually made a website in 2014. And when I first opened it, I think I had, I want to say like 20 of them. And so that was a hard shell burrito. And then maybe a couple years after that, I, I made a bait called the Achy Wakey. And, uh, so I think I made maybe 20 of those also. So usually like if I, I have a bait that I make for myself again, you know, sometimes I'll make just, you know, I'll make a handful of hard. I don't like making hard baits, you know, I, I just, I don't have, again, you know, I don't really have the ventilation stuff to be airbrushing and this and that. And, and I don't like messing with the micro balloons and all that crap. So I don't really make too many hard, hard baits, you know? So uh, when I do make one for myself, if it's a bait that I say, that I think other people might like, then I might make, you know, a dozen or something of them, but there's only, those are the only two that I've made public. Now I have traded some of my personal baits over the years to people for things, you know, like there's a couple of uh, gills glidey, like little slalom glide gills that I've made that are floating around out there somewhere. And uh, there's a few random baits floating. There's a, a, a bass, soft bait that i made that's donated to something you know sometimes i'll donate a bait to a charity or something that nobody else can get and that'll yeah that'll be floating around out there but for the most part those are the only two baits i've sold and released you know yeah which is i mean pretty sick because you see them every once in a while and everybody loses their marbles when they see when they see one they're like oh my gosh and somebody says it's a burrito burrito bait and everybody's like he make hard he makes hard baits he makes hard baits and everybody's like oh he, this, is a, this is an old bait like he, he doesn't i mean he makes them but he doesn't make them like <laughs> yeah yeah I, I just you know the thing is there's so many hard baits out there that yeah I, like, I don't i just don't want to do that you know like I, i'm not i'm not after the money you know i'm just like i, I make what i want to make kind of you know and if people use them that's awesome but i don't want to like try to reinvent the wheel because there's so many hard baits out there it's like I just don't, this is not interesting to me, you know? 
if you were to make a hard bait, would it be a shad brush tail by chance or <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, I, nah. The thing is, I don't want to make something that exists because it's there's so much easier for me just to buy a bait. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, if I'm making it for myself, because there's plenty of baits that I use of other people's. You know, like oh man, that bait's great. That bait's great. That bait's great. You know, and so like I'm not gonna make a bait that doesn't do something unique that I need, you know, because yeah. it's just like, it's, I'd rather just buy a bait, you know? And, and since I'm not really looking, you know, if I was in the market, it just, if I really wanted to push the sales thing, I might do something that, you know, yeah. is more like that. But for the most part, I just kind of focus on things that I'm interested in. Now you've, you've been doing baits for a while. Have, I mean, probably not, maybe not where you live, but have you ran into anybody in the wild fishing one of your baits? And you're like, oh, that yes. Is one time there was this guy, Gary. I can't remember his last name. I, can't, I feel bad. His name's Gary. He's super nice. Uh, <laughs> I was out fishing and it was crazy. It was like January, which is usually iced over in Indiana, yeah. you know, usually got ice, but it was like the there's this pond that I fished that was kind of close to where my old shop was. And, uh, it was really muddy. The water was all blown out cause the ice had all melted and stuff. And I thought, man, there's no way I'm going to catch anything out here, you know? So I, I go to this pond, you know, it's like, it's small. It's like five or six acres, you know, and I'm just out there trying to catch anything, you know? And so, uh, this guy walks by, I, I see him throwing something big, you know? And I keep in mind, I'm like throwing a lipless bait, you know, I'm throwing like a blade bait cause it's January. Yeah. Because yep. I'm like, I ain't throwing, wasting my time with a swim bait out here, you know? So anyway, and the water's all muddy and everything. So I see this guy walking. I was like, is he throwing a swim bait out there? You know, because you don't see that very often in Indiana, yeah. you know? So anyway, he walks by and he's got a burrito shed hanging off his rod. I was like, you kidding me? You know? I was like, hey, man, where'd you get that bait? And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, I make those, you know? That was that was crazy. And, and he caught one on it that day, you know? It's like, I'm out here throwing a freaking blade bait and the guy, like, catches one on my bait right in front of me, you know, when I'm like, I ain't gonna throw that thing, you know? Dang, man. That so was, it was uh, awesome, you know? So anyway, he's he's really cool. I've see, I, I seen him out there, you know, and he had my bait, and we said we got to talking and stuff. I think he posted a picture on Swim Bait Universe or something. But that's really the only guy that I'd, you know, I've, I've met a few other people. Like, there was a guy um, that, you know, there's a couple guys that buy baits from me locally, but, man, it's not not many in Indiana that, you know, buy baits off of me. I, just It's just not, a, it's just hard, you know? It's not easy to throw a swim bait here, so you don't see a lot of guys doing it, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's so uh, when I saw him, I was like, what? No way. You know, it was yeah, pretty, it was pretty crazy. Sweet. That's just like, they're just the chances of, of all that coming into place. And the it, fact that yeah, it, it was just me and him that were the only people are out there in January at this dirt hole, you know, I was like, what, you know, it was pretty crazy, really. And what, uh, just kind of closing it up a little bit here. What, uh, is there any like specific gear that you recommend to fish any of your stuff on? Or what, I guess you're the guy who makes them. What do you like to fish them on? We'll just go the burrito shad, uh, gill and the baca. Just go over those three. I okay. Guess. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. I, what's funny about me is I'm a guy that ha I have one bait and I'll have four rods that I fish it on, you know, yeah. depending on the conditions. Uh, I'm not one of these guys. I, I'm real picky about stuff, you know, because I feel like the biggest hurdle for me is actually getting the bait in front of the fish and setting the hook on it and all that stuff, you know? Right. So, you know, I, I've got rods that are like seven foot that I'm using in my kayak. I got rods that are like eight and a half, nine foot that I'm throwing when I'm walking the bank. I got rods that are like eight foot with braid. I got to use fluorocarbon. I got a bunch of different setups that I use, but, um, the, the, the main thing, you know, 
it's, so it's kind of hard for me to like say what I use for what, because I use a bunch of different things depending on the conditions. But the number one thing with any of those baits is you got to have enough power to drive the hook. You know, that's the, that's the main thing. I think a lot of guys, um, they'll dump fish because like when I first started, for example, I, you know, it was like, oh yeah, mono, use mono, mono and everything. And so I was starting out using mono, you know, and man, I dumped so many fish because the stretch in it, you know, like if I'm walking the bank and I'm casting parallel to the shore and my rod is sticking out straight and then my line is going 90 degrees off while I'm fishing parallel to the shore, trying to keep my bait running, you know, along and then boom, I get hit and it's like, you got mono and I can't set a hook on them. You know, I dumped so many fish. So I always tell people. You know, and people, it depends on the conditions you're in, you know, obviously. But I always use fluorocarbon or braid. I don't use mono for or copoly for any soft bait stuff. So I'm always doing that. And then I always make sure I got a rod that's got enough power. You know, it doesn't matter necessarily if it's slower or if it's faster action. It's just got to have enough muscle that you can set the hook in them, you know, because the thing yeah. is, is like with a soft bait, what's got, it depends, you know, if it's got a, if you got a hook on the bottom, Let's say you're fishing the shiner, the new shiner bait or whatever, then, then, you know, a little more parabolic rod is fine because you're hooking them in the, the bottom lip where there's more skin and stuff like that, you know, but if you got a bait like the burrito shad or the Baca or something, and you want to drive that hook, because the goal is to like drive the hook in the roof of their mouth. You know, you, you take that line through burrito shad and you drive that hook into that. There's like a plate up in the roof of their mouth and there's like right behind it. You get it stuck in there. I mean, that fish is never, ever coming off. And so, yeah, I mean, literally you can be like, stick your, stick your pole in the mud and go have a sandwich and, you know, watch some TV and come back and the fish is going to be flopping around. Cause the, the, the bait detaches, that hook is up in the roof of their mouth and they're never, ever coming off until you take the hook out of there. Right. And so, so I, as long as you can boom, get enough, you know, you got enough power in your setup to drive that hook. You're good to go, you know? And so, uh, if you don't have enough power, what a lot of times happens is you don't, it doesn't catch. Bup, 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 skeeters along and catches them in the lips or something, then they're more likely to come off, you know? So I'm always just like, when you get the right bite, boom. So I, I'm using like, usually what I use for most of my baits is like an extra heavy, uh, Leviathan. Uh, they actually had a burrito slinger they made a couple of years ago, which is their soft swim, extra heavy. You know, I, I do that with like 20, 25, sometimes 30 floor, pound fluorocarbon. If I'm fishing like heavy cover stuff. And so, uh, that's what I use for most of my soft baits. It's just in general, you know? Yeah. I remember that rod. I just didn't know if, if, uh, that was like a rod that you like for, for those baits or if you kind of stray away and fish something else maybe. Oh yeah. I use that, you know, unless I'm, you know, if I'm in my kayak, then I'm using a shorter rod and I've got yeah. on there, you know, it's because I'm and actually, I have a, a custom Leviathan, um, soft swim i've got a heavy yeah. and an extra heavy that i use there's seven like seven footers that i use in the kayak but um that's just an awesome the blink on that rod is awesome you know so i use that it's got enough power to set those hooks i, I use those ones a lot yeah but, what are what are your reels we had touched on the 400 size earlier um you know i usually i've got some luna 253s which are which are technically like a 300 size reel spool uh, and you know, if I'm fishing floral and I'm bouncing a bait on bottom, I've got, that's usually what I'm using. One of those, 
Like I use a 300 size if I'm fishing. Um, I like round reels. So like all my reels, I just, it's just easier. My hands are kind of big, so it's just easier for me to palm like a round reel. Yeah, I just think it's more comfortable. So I usually, and, and they're kind of, they're scarce anymore. You know, there's not, not many people are making round reels anymore. So, uh, so I, yeah, I still have I, a lot of the ones that I use are old. You know, I've still got the Calcutta 400 B if I want like a bigger reel or my Abu 6600 Morums. I still use those. I've got yeah the Luna 253. And then this last year, I picked up a bunch of um, 200 um, Conquest, the MGL. So I've been using those a lot with braid. If I've got a situation where I'm throwing braid a lot with like hard baits and soft baits and things. But um, man, I've got so many. I just got so many. I got way too much stuff, honestly. It's like <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, and then I and I end up acquiring more stuff than I need. And then I'm trying to find a place for it. And I'm like, well, I could use this for that, you know. I don't know. I just love gear, you know, so. Yeah, man, it's uh, like like we talked about when you fall into that rabbit hole and you just kind of you just you you acquire stuff. That's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah. If I you know, if I were to say, hey, I'm a guy starting out, you're a guy starting out. What would I grab for a burrito shad? I would say get yourself. They, I just realized they still make these. So I, I picked one up not that long ago and I've I've owned a few for years, but I thought they quit making them. It's the Cardiff. They still have some of the Cardiffs, you know, so I'd yeah. get like a 300 Cardiff. You know, I'd put like 20 or 25 pound fluorocarbon on there. And then I'd get like a, a rod that I was really impressed with for just the versatility of it is that um, uh, I rod Bailey swim. Yep. You know, you, I like that rod. I, you can get longer handles for it. You can get different handles for it. But it seems like it handles the bigger hard baits well. It handles the soft baits well. So, like, you know, there, that's 150 That's about $250 setup, you know, which is a lot for a lot of guys. But, I mean, if you can just, if you can get there, that's a, that'll last you a long time. You can do a lot with that, you know. Yeah, dude, that's uh I mean, there's like, that's the nice thing now is there's like, there's a lot of options out there for, for rods. And I mean, you can, you can get the Dobbins, you can get the, uh, the I rods. I mean, I mean, what is, what is Buka's, uh, Dobbins cost? Like 150 bucks? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm not quite sure. I think it's right around there. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, even when I got started. That's a good rod too. I I mean, I haven't actually used it, but I was in his shop and I actually checked it out. I was like, that's, that's, it's, it's very, it seems like it's pretty similar to the Bailey swim where it's kind of like one of those rods that'll probably do a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, even, I mean, 2018, not that long ago, but when I started, dude, there was like four or five rods maybe that like was on Tackle Warehouse and the guys would talk about. And now, I mean, there's a lot of these rod companies are making rods now. And I just think that that helps a lot of guys who want to get into it. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to buy a guide select like there's other options yeah. out there i mean when i started there weren't they didn't have swim bait rods at all you used like salmon back bounce rods yeah, and yeah they yeah. didn't they didn't have them you know so it was like they didn't have low profile like 300 size reels they didn't have any so it was like round that's why i kind of got started with the round reels because it's like that's i got comfortable doing that because that's really what there was you know yeah so I, round reels and back bounce rods that was kind of the beginning you know yeah, but now man. it's like just like crazy all the stuff that's available, you know. Yeah, so now it's like, oh, cool! I want to try that, try that, and try. That. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's that's crazy. But uh, one one thing I'll ask you before before we close it down is, how do your how can people buy some of your baits? Where can they get them? How can they go about it for guys who who don't know? Yeah, uh, well, like the the baka, the nacho. And I think the back attack, which is kind of a bait that I, uh, I don't know if he's selling those. I think he is. Uh, the back attack is a, like a 
Baca Taquito, which is a weedless hybrid. It's kind of like a weedless Baca. All of those baits, Mike Buca is making bullshit. So yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly how he does his drops. It's, I think some of them you can get are, are available all the time on his website. Yeah. Some of them he does drops. And then, and then, you know, obviously there's retailers, certain retailers that you, that carry the Baca, like Tackle Warehouse and stuff. So you can get those ones. Those are, those are the more readily available ones. And, and they're, they're also probably some of the more versatile baits that, 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 you know, I've made. So, you know, those are a good place to start. Uh, but then if you want, if you move on from there and you're wanting more technical things, I, the baits that I make personally are more hand-painted, more technical baits. And yeah. so those are on burritobaits.com. You can get those there. And the way I do it now, like actually I'm doing a drop tonight, which this will be too late for everybody here in a second. <laughs> but yeah, seven yeah. tonight, Sunday, I do it every other Sunday night at seven. Uh, I put them up. I used to do it every week, but it got to be too much. So I just, now I do it every other week. And so they sell out. Sometimes they sell out quick. Sometimes they don't, you know, it just depends on what, what, you know, what I'm putting up. But, uh, so that's the burrito sheds, the burrito gills, the jig hook sheds and gills. Um, and then there's other baits that I've made over the years that I don't have available right now, but I might, you know, I'm always introducing new things and stuff, but yeah, seven o'clock, uh, every other it's EST seven o'clock EST every other Sunday night, burrito base.com. Heck yeah. I remember that. I remember, I remember it being like that in like 2018 and I remember I bought one and I thought I was the luckiest kid ever. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so excited. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah they you, go quick. So yeah, you guys will be hearing this tomorrow. So the 16th at like, if you're one of the early listeners, if he doesn't sell, maybe you'll have a chance at it. But I mean, don't hold your breath. Like if, you, if you're hearing it now, it's already probably too late. If you've been listening to it for an hour and a half, they're probably all gone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on while, while we're still here talking about burrito baits <clears throat> ah you know honestly man i could probably talk forever so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave it at that you know perfect so that's like, good yeah yeah like i said well if if you're down if you want to do another episode we'll do another episode and we'll talk about some fishing theories you'll have we'll go over the uh the swim bait theories and stuff you were talking about or the rules you have and we'll go yeah. we'll take a deep dive into all that stuff but if we did that now it'd be a five-hour episode and yeah people would listen but it it'd just be a lot of us shooting the breeze and nobody ever here i'm sure yeah yeah i'm sure you probably have to cut some of this out too but that's cool yeah man yeah <laughs> but, whenever yeah what uh what what's your instagram uh where can people find you as far as like social media goes uh i my instagram's carp hugger um so i'm a i, I hug carp you know, that, that, that's funny. Cause that's that I used to, there was a spell there actually when I was in college that I carp fished a lot. So that's where that came from. I really, I've, I've always wondered fish. that. And I just never asked it because yeah, I, I mean, I still do, hard. you know, I, I've, I've in the nineties and stuff. What's funny is that's kind of how my fishing career started. Cause when I was a kid, there used to be a pay lake that was, uh, in the next town over, I used to ride my bike over there and I would fish for carp and they'd pay you like a dollar per pound for the biggest fish caught before oh, two really? o'clock. It was Dixon's. In East Peoria, Illinois, yeah, and man, I used to I used to rack up the the carp wins there. I mean, that's what my deal was, you know. That's that was my summer job when I was like fifteen. I would ride my bike to Dixon's and then and then uh, you know win twenty dollars or whatever the biggest carp caught. Yeah, you know, every day I would do that though, you know, and it was like cool. This is like the best job ever. So that's really where my fishing career started, I guess, was carp fishing, which is kind of funny, but uh, that's where that came from. So, oh yeah, but. Yeah, man. If anybody wants to follow you on Instagram, obviously go ahead and do that. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on. We 
got it done. And I think I think a lot of guys will like this episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too much and people <laughs> fall asleep or something, but yeah. I know my voice is kind of like uh makes you makes you sleepy. So hopefully. I thought it was, was kind of soothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Other people are like, oh man, your voice makes me fall asleep. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, I want to thank you for coming on. Like I said, if you guys want to follow Gail, go ahead and do that. Make sure you keep up up to date. And uh, if you're listening, maybe go check out the site. There might be a bait left. But if not, you know, check Tackle Warehouse. Check on uh, Bullshad maybe. There's some bacas and stuff there for you guys. But make sure if you guys like the make like the podcast, make sure you guys give it a rating on your listening platform. Uh, follow the Instagram if you don't already, scales and tails underscore podcast. Uh, the giveaway is going on right now. It's the Sly Guy sticker, so that's up on the website if you guys want to enter to win. I don't know if it's a gill or a trout he's sending me, but one of those two baits is what, what I'll be giving away. And uh, working on something pretty big right now that that uh, has, has never been done in the swim bait world, so it's pretty cool. I don't know when it'll ever happen, but it's it's getting worked on right now. So whatever. I just had to get all that stuff out of the way before I forgot. But I want to thank Gail for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys. Yeah.